0: Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians 12. We are working on verses 3 or 4, 5 and 6, but today we're going to look especially at verse number 6. 1 Corinthians 12:4, 5 and 6. Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same spirit There are varieties of ministries and the same Lord. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. That's our focus today, verse number 6. The same God who works all things in all persons. Heavenly Father, help us today. We open up your word and we realize we're, we're opening up something that's eternal. It's living. It's the thing that changes our lives because your Holy Spirit implants it in our hearts and, and we, we just come to understand you better. And we seek to do that, even at this time, to understand you better and to walk in your way. And as a church fellowship, to see that our church functions as you have designed it to. So we come before you, Lord. Hopefully we're humble. Hopefully we're willing to be taught and led and changed according to your will. We certainly want to bring you glory. And I pray that you accomplish a lot in our lives today. We're going to give our attention to this verse and pray that you'll use it in us in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a a belief from uh, well over a hundred years or so ago about deism. Maybe you're familiar with the concept of deism. Uh, a deist was a person who believed in reason. Reason. It's interesting because he did not hold to faith. He did not hold to the value of scripture. Matter of fact, he he did not believe that uh, special revelation ever happened. He believed in reason. What his mind could think through. And so he came to a conclusion, a deist did, that, uh, well, the world does exist, so there must be a God. But that God wound it up like a clock and walked away to let it run on its own. The God of the deist is not a personal God. He is not in your life today. He's not active in your life right now. In reality, he doesn't care. He left you here. Would you like a God like that? I don't think you would. He has never communicated to you outside of nature. That was their God. The God of the deists. I was thinking about that a little bit, because even the concept of winding up a clock and letting it run, some of you might have uh, more familiar history with clocks and the inner workings of a clock there's a lot of gears inside there a lot of little tiny tiny pieces that need to be in the right place or else your clock does not work it seems interesting how on the outward we think oh it's only a clock but when you take off the back and you look on the inside you realize it's very intricate very detailed it's very precise and some companies go to great extent to prove that they're very precise. Some people with their little watches will even run over it with cars to show you how durable it is. But when we talk about clocks, don't forget there's a lot of working inside of a clock. In verse number 6, it said there are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons... Sometimes when we think of effects, we think of results. What happened because of this ministry? How did it affect us? And we use words like that. And, And so sometimes our minds go quickly to the idea of an effect is the result of ministry. And if we just played with that concept for a little bit, to put that as verse number four instead of verse number six, Is very much to say I put the cart before the horse. I'll tell you why this is this is important to me, especially today, to share this with you. The idea of a cart before the horse. Some of you who are younger, you say, I don't. Well, we've used that our whole life, and that simply means you've got the wrong order. You want to try it? Put your horse behind the cart and let it push. It's not the way it's designed. It's not the way it works. Even Wikipedia agrees with that. All right? The expression, they say, cart before the horse is an idiom or a proverb used to suggest something is done contrary to the natural or normally effective sequence of events. A cart is a vehicle that is ordinarily pulled by a horse, so to put the cart before the horse is an analogy of doing things in the wrong order. There are varieties of effects, but the same God who works all things in all persons. Let me develop this for you a little bit and then tell you what's on my heart. All right? We're moving from the lesser to the greater in concepts. In verse 4, 5, and 6. In verse number 4, there are differences. We, We use that word variety, differences, diversity. There's different kinds of gifts that the Lord has given. And they're done on purpose. He designed it that way. He didn't create one gift for the church and boom, everything is to be the same. He made varieties of gifts and we've talked about that for several weeks. And really the list is brief. It's only about 20 that we worked with and talked about. Those are the ones listed in the New Testament. Well, the simple distinction of these gifts, um, sometimes we say, well, there's speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. And we make somewhat of a distinction that way. But the fact is simply this if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you've been given a spiritual gift by the Holy Spirit, right? Two people agree over there, and one yes over here. We're going back to that first sermon again. It is true. You've been given a gift by the Holy Spirit. You belong to him. He didn't just save you to say, oh, good thing we saved him. But he saved you for a purpose. Don't you know that? He's put you within the body of Christ for a reason. And he's given you something that you could use to function in his body to make others around you more like Jesus. And that's why he designed this. And he's put it all together. And we're going to talk about the how of that and the why of that and the what as we go through the rest of this chapter. But the source of these gifts is the Holy Spirit. You see it in verse 4, right? Okay, so that's the small picture, say about 20 items. And then you expand it even larger like we did last week in verse 5. Because each of these different gifts have different... Ministries or administrations, the way it's, they're administered, each of them expand greater in the nature of their gift. Take that one gift I told you about last week, the gift of a pastor-teacher. Just talked about that one, because I know that one a little bit. You take every employed pastor in the United States, and I'm not talking if they're good or bad or anything, I'm just saying if you just add up a number... And you have the ministries that come from that. I gave you a simple number. 458,000 pastoral ministries going on in the United States on a given weekend. That's a lot. 458,000. That's just a number, I know. But it's kind of the, the way that helps me understand something that's big. Because it's more than just pastors in a pulpit. We have chaplains and we, we have missionaries and others who fit those kind of schemes. And then put it on a worldwide schedule and I don't even have a number. But if I just kept it simple with these figures, here's where it comes out. You say, each gift has the potential for the same kind of ministry explosion from that gift. And you're taking 20 gifts and moving up to the number 9 million when you're done, of the potential ministries, if I'm just playing with numbers. Is that getting bigger? That's a lot bigger than 20. But that's the way the Lord multiplies things, you know? He only needed five loaves and two fishes, and he fed how many? Okay, so he knows how to multiply. He's really good at that. Now, take verse 6 and multiply it again. This is spiritual math. You understand that? I'm making up some of it, but that's the way it looks. Uh, what, what do you do? You start to fathom how many effects come from a set of ministries that might be in the nine millions. You ever tried to count the stars? Or the, the little grains of sand on the seashore? You know how the Lord right, made that in reference to his people, the Jews, how many there would be. But how many effects can God produce from 9 million ministries? I don't even have a number. I don't even know if my calculator would do that. My old calculator growing up, when you get that big, it says E. So can't do it. I think that meant error or enough. I'm not sure what it meant. but I want to show you two things from this verse that I think are very helpful. When I I teach my Greek students, we got a few in this room right now. When you come to translation work, you separate it first. Look at the sentence and separate it. If there's punctuation, separate the phrases. If there's a conjunction like and, separate the phrases. Because it's easier to translate in smaller pieces than to try to figure out the whole. And you could get confused on that. So we're, we're always looking for the commas or the periods, the semicolons. Words like and or but or therefore, whatever, and, and we break it in half. Look at verse 6, and you will see it breaks into two pieces. There are varieties of effects. Stop right there. But the same God who works all things in all persons. Second phrase. There's your outline for today. It's real simple. It's right according to the order of the grammar, and it's going to be, I hope, easy to understand. There are different kinds... Of effects. This word is actually the word we get energy from. It's an interesting... It looks just like it. It's one of the easier Greek vocabulary words to learn. Energema. Energy. It's not only the effect, or as many times we put it down as somewhat like the result, but it's actually the workings within the ministry. The workings that we're going to look at. Uh, I could tell you how big this is going to get because, number one, it's plural. It's not one effect. It's many, many effects. That's how big it's going to get. Let me give you another picture. I like, I like trying to put big concepts into words. You take one United States. And then you have 50 states within it. And then how many people are within all that? The number is 330 million. All those different people, all different ages, all different races all different appearances and looks, all different employments, all different phone numbers, all different number of hairs on the head, right? That's getting big. Does God know? Does he care? This is where it gets rather interesting, because most people give God some credit, but when you start to get into big things, is he really in charge of all this? It's hard to fathom at times, but for 330 million people just in our country, and not counting the rest of this world, which the number gets huge, God knows every one of them. He knows when they were born. He knows when they will die. And on top of that, He knows what? Number of hairs on their head. Is that getting big to you? Each gift that he has designed, is employed in a variety of ministries. And those ministries have varieties of effects. Starting to get the picture? We're going from the lesser to the greater, to the greater, to the greater. Now, before I go on and explain the rest of the effects, I want to at least put down a little bug here that's been, uh bugs me. So there it is. It's, It's not uncommon for the church to put these verses out of order. It's not uncommon for churches to aim more for the effect and put their ministries in line according to the effects rather than the order God designed it. I take, for example, the church growth movement of the 1990s and beyond. There was a simple blueprint. That's what it came down to. Many churches followed it. It was written up in a book, and everyone said, hey, let's do that. That's what we should do. It was about music style. It was about the way you set up your auditorium. It was about the message. It was about the aim. Do you know we as pastors also got wonderful software and such to tell us what to preach on a given Sunday? So that everybody in the whole... Thing, was preaching the same thing every week? That surprise you? I hope not. We pastors were told in a sense in essence, if we follow this pattern, we'll get the results just like the author of the book did. And we should follow that system. Put aside the fact that this pattern was fashioned after a business program and not a theological concept. They wanted to follow a business concept. And and what did it affect? So many pastors, and I know this personally, who were pastors of small churches and small communities, thought that their ministries were not effective anymore. It was discouraging. Discouraging. People started to migrate to these larger congregations And the smaller ministries were being uh, diminished even more. It was frustrating. I could tell you all that because I watched it. I saw it. We were in a smaller fellowship in Indiana at the time. Going along just like we thought we should. And one block away they started to build one of these large type of churches. Next block over. When they opened it, the community flocked to it. Even people from our own church. It was heartbreaking. The church that we were a part of was named Community Bible Church. The church, new church down the street was the Community Church. They were not in the phone book yet. And so when people pulled out the phone book to call the Community Church, they got my number. And they asked for directions. And do you think I told them down the street? <laughs> nuh I gave them directions to our church. But I will tell you how discouraging it was when the whole push is to create churches that all look alike. They all do the same thing. The pastors preach the same thing. And they go all the way through that kind of a procedure. Look at verse number 6 again. We, as human beings, are likely to believe the world's opinions on our ministry and the effects on our ministry rather than seeing it from God's vantage point. How many times do we go about comparing effects with other churches? I have to say, as a pastor, I know that story. You walk in there and they, they start comparing church size with that. How big is your church? How big is your church? You know, all those kind of things. And uh, we tend to do that. In a statistic-powered uh, world, the missionaries who fail in the eyes of men are men like William Carey, who ministered for seven years before he had the first convert. How does that go over in our world today? In a statistic-driven world, we would want results like we want our food out of a microwave. The sooner the better. We'd rather have the elm tree than the oak tree. Let me put my finger on a spot. We put the effects as the driving principle of a ministry, and we give more attention to the effects than we do to the gifts. And we give more attention to the effects than we do to the ministries. But even worse, on the second side of that whole column, we're giving more attention to the effects than the Holy Spirit and the Lord and God himself. I hate to confess it that way, but I've seen it. We've put the cart before the horse. It's just a simple analogy that it's in the wrong order. Let's walk through what are these effects. There are works accomplished. There are different operations. It's plural. You see it in verse 6. It's plural. The effects are plural. That means it's not a cookie cutter principle that they all come out the same. Well, see what it said, and there was an effect. <laughs> no, he's got a variety in here. These are the working orders inside the working Parts of ministries that does result in effects too, but they're the energies inside it that work in it, work in it. All those little gears together working to produce one great thing. How differently the church will look if we understand that the effects are not meant to be the same. They're not meant to be the same. The effect of your particular gift in ministry should not look exactly like mine. Is that okay? That's the point. When the world goes around and says, nope, stamp it this way, everything the same, we've stepped away from God's design. Because God is a God of variety and beauty and imagination and incredible skills in all that. Just look outside and you'll see. He could have made all the trees the same color, the same kind. But he didn't, did he? Flowers are popping up right now. Isn't that great? I love spring. But isn't it beautiful to see variety again in color? God could have made everything gray. Here's the difference. How differently we look at the church when you understand that all these effects are not meant to be the same. Allow for the differences. Let me tell you. Number one. Most of the time, the effect that we thought, that we intended, might not be the thing you end up with. It might not be the thing that you end up with. You came in... To do a certain ministry you had in your mind. This is how it's going to play out. This is the result it's going to have. This is what I expect. And surprise, surprise, God does something you weren't expecting. A ministry I served in many years ago. The church as a whole in this city was following the idea of Structuring their services the same. They were aiming at the 20-year-olds and the 30-year-olds. And so they were adjusting their music and their service and everything to match that group. And the entire city was following orders like that. And our church, well, we, we chose not to do that because as we stepped back, we thought, oh, this is going to be really tough on us. But you know what happened? Our church filled up with 60-year-olds. Why? They were left out, and they thought, "Well, we got to go somewhere, and eventually we started to see that. Were we aiming at ministry to sixty year olds Not exactly, but that's what the Lord brought to us, and it surprised us, but it wasn't long before we had a church full of sixty and up that was our youth group, by the way sixty year olds <laughs> when you got a hundred year old guy there or, I mean sixty's still young, right. But the Lord blessed that work, just because we wanted to minister to people, and these people need ministered to. It wasn't what we expected. We didn't aim for that, but that's the way the Lord brought it about. In another ministry, I watched uh, local churches. Yes, there were Bible churches, and they were really Bible churches, but they were also bending and twisting to match the cultural trends We fought that hard in our particular ministry for years. And it wasn't long, and it really did surprise me, it wasn't long until our church was full of retired pastors, retired missionaries, retired Bible teachers. It was interesting to watch. These were the pastors that formerly ministered in the other churches. And they started to come to ours. I'm not patting myself on the back in any way. We weren't aiming for that. We weren't expecting that. But it was quite an interesting blessing. You know, I never lacked for a man to speak in the pulpit. (laughs) There were teachers all over the place. And godly men, wonderful men. But they wanted to go someplace where they could worship and belong as well. And it was just interesting how the Lord worked that out so that we had received an incredible blessing of these retired folks, too. Here's the point. I just want to make it, and I'll make it very carefully. Because I've been there. When we start to work with statistics, we figure age brackets, we figure financial brackets, we aim at that at ministry. We take the effects out of the picture as God has produced, and we put the effects that we want In its place. And we aim for those. And the purpose is ours. And the efforts are ours. And the goal is ours. And whose church is it? It's His. But how quickly we can step down a path like that. How quickly that happens. Don't be surprised that the Lord has a way of surprising you. You in your ministry. You might sit down and plan it out and say this is the results we're going to have. This is the goal we're aiming for and such. And God might just surprise you with what He does with your ministry. And it's beautiful when you see it. And you say, wow, Lord. Wasn't expecting that, but this is a great blessing. Number two, we no longer, if we follow a cookie-cutter pattern, we no longer see the variety of the effects that come from ministry because we're focused usually on one singular thing. We just look at one thing and we see no more the variety that the Lord has put in this. The Lord has a variety of effects. And quite honestly, any time we start to insert we into the answer of the effects, we get into trouble. Because I'll show you, right here in verse number 6, the effects are not our department. That's not our department. That's why there's a second part to the verse. Yes, there are diversities of operations, as the King James writes, but it is the same God who worketh all in all. The Living Bible says it's the same God who does the work in and through All of us who are His. Do you know even Jesus understood that? Does that sound like a funny way to say that? But I was reading in my devotions this morning from John chapter 12. And he made this comment. I want to read it to you. For I did not speak on my own initiative, but the Father Himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. Even Jesus looked to his father and said, what do you want me to say? What do you want me to speak? What do you want me to do? Isn't that quite a picture for us? Jesus even left it to his father to bring about the effects, to guide him in the steps. Kenneth Weiss in his translation of verse number 6 says, it's the same God who by his divine energy operates them all in their sphere. ESV, if you have that. It's the same God who empowers them in them all in everyone. It's the same God at work, the NIV says. The Amplified says, it is the same God who inspires and energizes them all. If you keep working with translations here, it's a real simple picture. Look at verse four. Whose job is it to give the gifts? The Holy Spirit. Verse number 5, to whom are we accountable for our ministries? The Lord. Now go to verse number 6, who's the one working? God is. God is. Matter of fact, present tense participle. What's that mean? It means he is the one who is constantly working. He didn't wind up the church and just let it go. He's here right now working. Do you know it? He's changing us right now. That's his job. He's working in us right now. The effects of all ministry, understand this, is not our department. It's God's. If we gar- get ourselves wrapped up in how are we bringing about the results, how are we going to do this, how are we going to do that, we have taken our eyes off of the one who's actually working in our midst. Let him bring the results. Let him bring the, the effects of ministry. Did the Corinthians understand this? Go over to chapter 3. Let me show you what they thought. Chapter 3, verse number 1. First Corinthians 3, 1. And I, brethren, start in verse 1, could not speak to you as spiritual men, but as to men of flesh... As the infants in Christ, does this sound like it's going down a good road? No. Oh, there's trouble here. See, they were seeing everything through the eyes of men. Listen, I gave you milk to drink, not solid food. You were not yet able to receive it. Indeed, even now you're not able. You are still fleshly. For since there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not fleshly? Are you not walking as mere men? For one man says, I'm of a Paul. And another, I'm of Apollos. Are you not mere men? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants. Just servants through whom you believed as the Lord gave opportunity to each one. All I did was I planted. Apollos watered. And read the rest. Who caused the growth? God did. So it's neither the one who plants, nor the one who waters is anything, but it's God who causes the growth. When Jesus was speaking to his disciples in John 15, he says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes it so that it will bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine. So neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me, and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. That's powerful. Break it down. It's real simple. Who owns the vineyard? God does. Who expects fruit? God does. Who provides so that most fruit can be realized? God does. Who put the branches where they're best located to bear fruit? God does. Who designed the branches so that they cannot bear fruit unless they're attached to the vine? God did. Who's in charge, by the way? Think of this. Now, put it in church pictures. It's real simple. Who owns the church? God does. It was His idea in the first place. It was bought by the blood of Jesus Christ. Can you pay more than that? No. It's generated by the work of the Holy Spirit. Does God expect the church to be fruitful? Yes, He does. Does God provide so that the most fruit can be realized through his church. Yes. That's why we call the efficient functioning of the church. God knows the best on efficiency and how to bring this all about. He can take something little and make big things out of it. God has placed the branches of the church in the best location to bear fruit. So many times we say, boy, I wish I was on that branch. Why can't I be on that branch when God puts you on this branch? God puts you here because that's where you can bear more fruit for his glory. But when we get our thinking backwards, we start to think about ourselves and not about him. God has designed the branches of the church so that they cannot bear fruit unless they're attached to the vine. Doesn't work apart from Jesus. Doesn't work unless they're attached to him. Literally, folks, this church can do nothing apart from Christ. Nothing. Does that sound like a deist to you? He wound it up and said, Let's just see what happens. Uh uh-uh. uh. Jesus said, I will build my church. And then in Ephesians it says, And he will present that church to himself. And that church will be in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. She will be holy and blameless and I can't wait to see it but understand the Lord does not lay on the church the responsibility of the effects he does not lay it on us he says now you take this gift I give it to you use them in the ministries I gave to you and leave the effects to me leave the effects to me he might produce something in a very quick way. But you know what? He's also very good at a producing something in a very long way. He's not going anywhere. So many times he say, it's got to be quick or else it won't work. God no, says, no, watch how long it could take. I passed out uh, information on our church in one community. Went door to door with uh, passing out these flyers. 2,600 people in our town. So it was a nice afternoon walk to go to all the homes. And I would visit with people at every door. And what was frustrating was there was no results. I thought the next Sunday we'd have more people in church. But there wasn't any difference. It went on for months and months and months. No results whatsoever. And I thought, wow, I did a lot of work. Talked to a lot of people. Nothing happened. And so I forgot about it. Until the doorbell rang a year later. There's a man standing there with my flyer in his hand. It had been on his refrigerator door for a year. And today he wanted to talk about Jesus. I said, wow. Was that worth the wait? (laughs) That was. As I said earlier, he might produce effects in a way you do not expect. Let God use his creativity. Let let him be God. He works all things and all people who belong to him. With such diversity of gifts and ministries, don't be surprised with the diversity of effects that the Lord will bring about. You don't know what the next thing might be. How the Lord might use a simple word, a simple thought, a simple action, and produce results that you've never expected. I love the story of Charles Spurgeon, who uh, was known as a soul winner. In his preaching, if you've ever heard a sermon read or read it yourself, you would say, wow, this guy goes right to the heart every time. And here, he often crafted his message to reach the lost. And one day, he was just visiting the construction site as they were putting together the Metropolitan Tabernacle. And he thought, I'll just go and see how it's going along. It's unfinished, but, you know, he walked up on the platform and wanted to test the acoustics. So he yells out, before there's microphones and stuff, he just yells out, Behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Says, Sounds good? And he walked off the stage. He didn't know. That word penetrated the heart of the worker and the rafter, and he came to know Christ as his Savior. Don't be surprised at what God can do. Spurgeon didn't plan that, but God is the God who is able. Do we believe that? He is able. He equips multiplying ministries with His great variety to bring about differences in results, probably as numbers as there are stars in the sky. I used to quote several times here, Hudson Taylor's, Depend upon it. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's supply. I'm going to modify it just a little bit. I don't think he'd mind. God's work done in God's way will never lack God's effects. Never. It's His work. How does the church function efficiently? How does it function properly? It follows the design that the Lord has made it to be. Don't make up your own design for your ministry. Trust Him to give it to you. Trust Him explicitly. Know that He's at work. Let Him bring the effects. (laughs) You know, that's a big burden off the shoulders, by the way. But let Him bring the effects. It will produce more glory to His name than we can ever produce on our own efforts. And isn't that what we want? To bring glory to His name. So let's be careful, folks. That's my simple message to all of us and me too. Let's be careful that we're following through with God's pattern. God's design, and leave him the room to do what he wants with the ministry. Because in the end, I know, for one, it's going to have eternal value. Number two, it's going to bring him glory. And number three, it's going to bring us a lot of joy someday to stand in heaven and say, Wow, God, look what you did with people like us. (laughs) Amazing. I want to see that. I look forward to that day. But that's where we have to set our hearts today. God's in charge of the effects. You see it? Or do I start over? <laughs> Alright. Heavenly Father, help us with this. You know our tendencies. You know how our hearts are, as we've sung so often, prone to wander. We, we get our, our attention on things of this world. The statistics, the patterns, the popularity. We look at the the great so-called preachers of our day and age and say, I've got to be like Him to be effective. I've got to look like Him. I've got to talk like Him. I've got." To... The temptation is so strong. So strong. To, for us to manipulate ministries to the effects that we desire. Today, this verse stops, uh, stops us right there. It sits us down and it says, Listen, this is God's work, not ours. May we learn that in its fullest measure. May we understand and stop trying to manipulate the effects. It's God who is at work, and I'm so glad you are, Lord, because we make mistakes a lot. We aim at the wrong things. But I pray that you help us control our actions and control our attitudes and draw us closer and closer and closer to understanding what this church is that you have designed And how we function the best in it. I pray, Lord, you just help us understand today. Because that's our need, that's our desire. In Jesus' name, Amen.